from the former convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking the farmer's market and the park in Inwood, New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home and what we officially call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome filmmaker and actor Miguel Mike Medina. Born and raised in Washington Heights in New York City, Miguel Mike Medina is a Dominican-American actor, writer, and filmmaker. His acting career began when he performed two one-act plays, Poison and The Game, while he was attending City College of New York. Following his graduation, he has directed, produced, written, started multiple short films, including The Grade, Bittersweet Holiday, Tom Torn Feelings, From Dad to Bobby, Valentine's Dinner, and so many more. Uh, Medina's films have won 23 awards, and he is set to release his first documentary in 2022. In addition, he also runs Double L94 Productions, which produces theater, independent films, and web series. We're going to talk about that and so much more, but first, Miguel Mike Medina, let me welcome you to Inwood Artworks On Air. How are you? I'm doing fine yourself. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. It's great to see you. It's been a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. I think the last time I saw you was before the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the before the pandemic. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, and we, uh, I know I saw you at the, the fall fundraiser we did at uh, Republica. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I think, then did you come to one of the outdoor films maybe in the park or was it the Inwood Film Festival? No. Um, I had a chance, but the thing is scheduling problems got in the way every time um one of my i think it was i think it was from dad to bobby that from dad to bobby yeah, I, know, I know you missed from dad to bobby yes yes i did i did um but hopefully in the future when everything is all settled i get to finally attend one <laughs> that's all right we'll make it happen mm-hmm. well you missed it it was wonderful people love the film um and uh, uh i actually actually i do remember people seeing the film there and uh got a nice shot of it a nice a press shot of that remember that yeah yeah that yeah. was really good miguel one can say you wear a lot of hats on your projects um, sometimes all in one film or series, uh, which is something I can relate to. <laughs> so, um, like me, um, it seems like acting was in theater was like your entry point. Yes. Um, to art making. And I get this question all the time. So I wanted to pose it to you is that if you had to choose between all the genres <laughs> you work in, what is your primary love? Oh boy. Um, in film, because I'm more of a film person than a theater person. Okay. I love theater. Um, and I am planning to make a comeback in theater, but virtually for 2022. Um, but I'll discuss that a little bit later. Yeah. In terms of film, if I had to pick a genre that I would like to do most, it would have to be comedy. Comedy has been my favorite genre since for as long as I can remember. Um, but it's a genre that, from a writing standpoint, it's a challenge because you might think something is funny, but the audience might not see it the same way as you do. Mm-hmm. So you really have to be disciplined and be very careful if you really want to make a great comedy film. And for me, I was fortunate that I was able to do a few um, comedy shorts. One of them was um, Neighbors, Bre- Neighbors, Breakups, and Surprises which has gotten selected to so many film festivals. And there's another one that I'm putting out for next year. It's called The Gold Watch. But that one is more comedy. It's dramedy. It's both comedy and drama. And But yeah, I would say comedy is my favorite genre. Yeah. And film over theater. Film over theater, yeah. Gotcha. So there you have it, folks. 
he's, he's on record. <laughs> well, and then they're both incredibly challenging. And I guess a follow-up to that would be, what role amongst those are you most passionate about as an actor, director, producer, writer? Like, do you have like, like one focus that you really take pride in? I mean, obviously you enjoy them all. Yes, I enjoy them all. Um, obviously acting was my first priority when I got into this business and it still is, but I knew that I can do more. I can do way more. So, and I love being my own boss. I like wearing a lot of hats and I feel that the reason why a lot of us, um, not just artists, but people in general, we're so, we hesitate to not wear so many hats is because of the amount of responsibilities that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't want to use, an ex- I don't like being comfortable. I always feel that if you could do the hard things, you know, you can overcome anything. E- anybody, anyone can do anything easy, but if you can overcome the hard stuff, then that's great. So I always make sure that I'm always challenging myself. I always make sure that I do more than just one thing. So yes, I love comedy, but I also take pride in wanting to do f- future projects like sci-fi. Sci-fi is very challenging and it's a lot of money that you got to put into, but that's something that I would like to do in the future because I haven't done a sci-fi movie yet. I've done horror, I've done romance, I've done drama, the list goes on and on, but I definitely want to tackle more challenging stuff in the future like sci-fi. So I was, yes, acting number one, writing number two, um, producing number three, and directing number four. So I love editing as well, but that's another thing that I'm trying to elevate. I always use iMovie app on my phone to edit my projects. But like I said, there's always room for improvement. Mm-hmm. I always, yes, I have won 23 awards, but that doesn't mean anything. My whole focus is to try to be the best version of myself that I can be, always learn, always grow, and surround myself with people that, that are just like me or that are more knowledgeable than me because that's the best way that you'll um, succeed. I agree. Um, well, I think it's great you keep challenging yourself, and that's how you learn. Uh, you keep finding ways, and, uh, and I also like the fact that you know you don't kind of repeat yourself in many ways. You have done one thing, and you you know, something you're not quite sure know how to do and you're, you're a go-getter and you say, okay, well, I'm going to see how I would do that. And, uh, you know, that is how you learn and by challenging yourself. Like, you know, you're not always satisfied, right? Mm-hmm. It's always keeping, keeping, uh, you know, you said keep challenging yourself and moving your, your craft forward by increasing your skill set. by, you know, Hey, you, you don't know how to do the things you don't know how to do, right? It's exactly. like, and so it's it's okay until until you actually figure it out or try it. You're not going to know. So kudos to you for really pushing yourself forward. And um, so, how did you foray into film from theater? Like, where where was your what was your first film? Uh, my first film was The Grade, which was back in 2016. Mm-hmm. So. It's crazy that I say 2016, it was five years ago, but it feels like it was yesterday. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like a long time ago, but it to me it more feels like yesterday that I did the fir- that first short film. And it was very nerve-wracking. I remember my very first day on set, I'm like, I can't, am I really getting myself into this? But yeah. luckily I was able to surround myself with a good team around me, make sure that, and the people that I worked with obviously had more film experience than I did in that time. And, but when I was in City College, I knew that I wanted to try acting, 
even though when I got to City College, I took an acting course, but I wasn't necessarily ready for it. So after the first day of class, I dropped it. But then as I approached my last semester in City College, I said to myself, no, I need to do this. Like, I know that it's a challenge. I know because you, you're putting yourself out there and you have to face the music, you have to face people and perform. But I knew that, and the first week, again, I felt the same challenge compared to a couple of semesters ago. But I stuck in there, I got an A for the class, but, and I tell this story to everyone that two months into the semester, a classmate of mine, before class started, he said that there's an annual one act play auditions will be taking place. If you guys are interested, go ahead and do it. Um, yes, nerve wracking, but I decided to go for it. And when I went to the audition, I knew that I did well. Um, I did a cold reading with another guy, which he was magnificent as well. And the next day at eight in the morning, um, the person who called me for callbacks was my assistant director of my first short film. So that was the beginning of a relationship that me and him, we build. And next thing I know, I got cast for two plays in City College. And I left City College with two plays on my resume. And from there, I just kept just studying, acting, um, going to auditions and things like that. But when I would uh, go to these auditions, the roles that I would go for, it was just not something that I was looking for. So it wasn't until late 2015 that I said to myself, I have to write my own projects. So I had like a year and a half into acting. And in a year and a half, that's when I decided let me just create my own stuff. And then 2016 came, I did the grade, and like they say, the rest is history. I haven't looked back since. I enjoy it, creating my own stuff, and we're gonna continue building from there. Well, you've created a lot of projects in a very short amount of time. Um, I always, feel like I always turn around and I see you're supposed to a new, you have a new film every few months. It just seems like you're, you're pushing out there, which is amazing. Uh, can you talk about what makes you commit to an idea uh, that you want to spend time and resources on? The one thing about me is once an idea is in my head, it keeps replaying in my mind, I go for it. I just say to my, it, sometimes an idea can come when I'm showering, where I'm laying down watching a movie, where I'm reading a book. It could be anywhere. I could be sitting on the train. An idea will come up and I just make sure that before I go to my laptop or my computer to write this down, I make sure that I have a notebook. It's crazy because once I um, finished school, I never imagined that I would continue buying composition notebooks, and I still do that to this day. <laughs> I love Why composition finish? notebooks. Yeah. I'm a big free writer. I like free writing and stuff like that. Exactly. That's something I never imagined. After I was done with school, I felt like I, after school, like, that's in no more materials. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> when you get older, things change. But that's what training is all about, right? You yeah. learn new things and you adapt them and make them part of yourself. Yes. So when you could be 16, 17 years old, but by the time you're 25, 30, your mind changes. You see things a lot different. Um, you start liking new things. And that's what happened with me. Um, I love reading books. I love writing. Um, things that I didn't like when I was younger, but I love it now. So... That's how I go about with my ideas. I always make sure that I write it on a notebook. And, but, but one of the, my flaws, and I'll admit this, is that, and I try to remind myself over and over, that once I write an idea, 
in a notebook, it doesn't have to be perfect. You're just, you know, oh, yeah. building blocks. And I feel that sometimes us writers, artists, we know this, but we tend to forget that, yes, we want perfection, but perfection doesn't happen the very beginning. You got to give it time, you know, do drafts, et cetera. And that's always been one of my problems, but I try to keep reminding myself, especially when I watch tutorials and just people in general talking about writing. Don't go for perfection on your first draft or when you're putting on a piece of paper. You know, just put in your ideas out there and then once you do the rewrites, then, you know, perfect it. Yeah. And that's why it makes sense why um, shorts, especially feature films, they take years to perfect the script. Um, so, for example, um, the first movie that, that pops into my head, there's a lot of examples, but one of the movies that comes to my mind that I felt amazed how long it took them to perfect the script, um, Blind Spotting. And even though they're doing a series, they have a series right now, but the actual movie, Blind Spotting, it took them 10, 11 years mm -hmm. to complete it. So I respect writers in that regard that they invest so much time to perfect the script so then they could go and make their movie. So that's something that I try to keep in my mind, you know, just be as patient as possible and perfect it. And keep thinking and be true to that idea and, and, be, and be willing to, to let that idea evolve, right? Yes. And, to, and, to, and, and, that, and that's, a, that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's, it's, and, that, and that takes discipline and patience. Right. Uh, I, I think it's great that you have become wise in your young age still, but, uh, you know, it's also about the being, having the best idea in the room too and being open to collaboration and seeing what other people bring to the table. It's like you're saying, you, you, may, you may think you've written down the perfect idea mm -hmm. and then someone else gets a hold of it and saying, well, yeah, that's really nice, but have you thought about it this way? And then you'll, uh, uh, they'll, they'll have added something incredible to it and makes it even better. And so have you, have your, like with your, with your assistant director and people you've brought on to work with you, like, like Carlos, you know, Dust Champs and you've worked on the project before, like, have you guys felt like people come on and have taken your ideas and taken your films and have moved um, the ideas to different places that have improved your filmmaking? Yes. Um, in Carlos, for example, we, in the times that we've worked together, we've worked right now probably three times now, mm -hmm. three times, and he's um, amazing to work with. Most of the time that we worked on projects, he was the DP for my films. So, but the great thing about, and, and obviously anyone who's watching this, as you should know, director and DP collaboration, they're like the best friends on set. So they have to be on the same page, um, especially um, pre-production wise. So I always make sure that with Carlos, I send him the storyboards, I tell him exactly what I'm looking for, so then by the time we come to the set, we're pr more prepared than ever, and I feel like that's the key, preparation is key. Mm -hmm. um, you have to come prepared on set, make sure that you know what you're getting at, even though sometimes things might not go as you plan. Because they never do. Exactly, like it could be rain situation, weather conditions, anything, it could be a multitude of different things, and I even went through that in my first film, where I had something in mind and I had to change the whole thing, so. You always make sure that you're ready when things are about to change. And 
I always make sure that I learn from my colleagues and people that I've worked with. I try not, like, I'll say this, not to have an ego. And I know it's cliche to say this, but you have to be unselfish on set. You got to take advice, not just from your AD or DP, but also, like, just in your, your cast and crew in general. Um, as long as they don't overstep and know, you know, what your position is and they respect. And that's the thing about me. I'm very heavy on mutual respect. I respect you. I expect you to respect me as well. And make the, like, when you work with people that it makes it fun, it, work doesn't become like work. It becomes fun. Mm -hmm. So I was very fortunate enough that in every project that I've worked with, my projects particularly, that I make sure I get the right people for the right positions and it makes things easier. Having a good team means everything, but being, but being open to their opinions and like you said, don't overstep, but you know, if they can bring something to the table that moves the production forward, uh, a great crew means everything. Uh, not to mention good collaborators, like you're saying, a DP and director's relationship is so important um, and having a good relationship with actors, the trust relationship, uh, and helping you tell that story forward to make sure everyone's in a place to succeed. So important, really so important. Um, well, your film work thus far has been primarily narrative-based, uh, but you're releasing your first documentary soon, so tell us about oh. that. Oh, yes. I'm very excited about this one. <laughs> um, my first documentary, because I've never done a documentary before. Right, so you so had to make one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, like I said, I'm always looking to elevate. I'm always Sci-fi films come. next, folks, if you keep in track. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but my first documentary, wow. Um, I can't say too much, but I'll say it has to do with Fly 587. So for those of you who don't know, Fly 587, um, it happened November 12, 2001. And that's all I can say for now. I don't want to give away too much, but just, you know, Fly 587, that's what the documentary is all about. It's about my experiences of what I went through that day. So that's what my documentary is based about. And to nudge you a step further, is it a personal story? Is it a documentary on you and your experience or just... Gen more generally speaking. It's a documentary more about me and me reminiscing okay. what happened 20 years ago. Right. Um, which is um, unbelievable to think that it's been 20 years yeah. since it happened. Um, even though I was 10 years old at the time, but I remember that day from beginning to end. Wow. And it's a, it's a day that affected our Dominican community. Um, so if you're from Uptown, Washington Heights, Dykeman... Yeah. then you would understand if you if you were old enough at the time when it happened you knew how um how sad we were when that happened so yeah so i decided to make a documentary about so that and story. yeah um but i'm very i'm looking forward to show this project next year awesome well i can't wait to see it so double l 94 productions mm -hmm. where the name come from the name came from uh, my grandmother, God rest her soul. Um, the LL is her initials, her okay. first name and last name. 94, she was 94 when she passed away. Oh. Um, she passed away on New Year's Day in 2014. Wow. So, yeah, so ever since, and she lived with us on top of that. So I lived with my grandmother my whole life. It's a nice tribute. Um, yes, and ever since she passed away, we barely celebrate 
New Year's Day because it's a day that, you know, yeah, we lost her. Even though now it's, we, we don't do parties or anything like that like we once did, but we just always try to remember her the way that she was. There's no such thing as perfection in this world, but like I tell everyone that I talk about my grandmother, to me, to me, she, I felt like she was perfect just because of everything. Um, she was caring, um, she was disciplined. It was just so many multitude things about her. So I felt like this was the best way for me to pay a tribute to her because of the amount of impact she had on me in my life. So, yeah. That's a great tribute to her. Um, has Did she influence any of your um, story t love for storytelling? Like any kind of, were there certain movies she exposed you to or different stories she exposed you to, different books? Um, as of right now, no, but in my first film, I did pay the homage to her, to my best friend, to my uncle, who I've all passed away before I put out my very first short film. So at the end of the movie, I put it as a dedication to them. But so far, I've only paid homage to my grandmother because there's so many films that I've done so, f so sure. far. Um, but uh, me naming my company after her was the best way for me to pay tribute sure. to her. It's really nice. Yeah. I said, if she, like, if there's a certain way she influenced you in your work, that's why, like, the things, how, how you grew up, how things she exposed you to, how, if, if it influenced your storytelling or your interests. I would say my dad in that regard because when I was little, um, when we would do um, house parties, my dad will always record um, house parties and events. I still have a VCR to this day, so yes, I'm I'm a whole different breed. Yeah, I still have a VCR. I still have VHS tapes mm -hmm. in my house um, from the 90s and early 2000s. So, but I never thought that in the future that I would be doing the same thing, but instead of recording house parties, I would make movies and things like that. So it that goes to show okay. the generation connection of, um, you know, your parents did one thing and you're basically doing the same thing, but you're taking things up a notch. So I feel like in terms of filmmaking, storytelling, I would say I got that from my dad. And from my mom, my mom was actually the one who told me, you should start doing more comedy because early on in my career, I would just do serious roles and serious movies, which I love to do. Um, but my mom was really the one who got in my ear and said, you should do more comedy movies. And that's when I did Neighbors Breakups and Surprises, which, like I said earlier, got selected and won awards and, you know, just continued building from there. And it also led to my sketch comedy web series, The MMM Project. So all these comedy projects that you see me doing, yes, um, I had interest in the, yes, I always had interest in doing them, but my mom was always the one who gave me that extra push, that reminder, like, you know, you should do it. Why she said that is not because I'm her son or whatever. It's not because of that. Like, it might have something to do with that. But at home, I'm always, like, playful. I'm always joking around and things like that. So when you – I always say that when people tell you things like that, don't neglect it. They're telling you that for a reason. So it doesn't matter whether it's your parents, whether it's your friends or – acquaintances when you get a message when you receive a message or some kind of sign go for it because you just never know good advice good advice and a great support system too in your family as well i could tell yes. well um so about your production company i know it's a vehicle to put out your own work um but just curious um because uh 
you collaborate with a lot of people in the neighborhood and other people around. Uh, you ever thought about also using it, or do you have plans for also using it to produce other people's work? Yes, I do have plans to produce um, other people's work in the future. Um, we're slowly going to get there. And yeah, so far it's just for me, for my projects, but I'll definitely will be considering other people's projects once I, you know, start reach, uh, where I start um, elevating more with the company. Well, as you all know, I'm a big supporter of Work Uptown and I need people to help me out. So I want other people like you to help pushing people forward. Oh, for sure, for sure. I need all the help I can get. But I, but I, just, I just see that it's a great opportunity and, you're, and because you're a go-getter and you want to keep challenging yourself, I thought, well, geez, I wonder if he has plans to do more of that. Um, so speaking of one we haven't touched, you said you, you want to come back to about producing theater uptown. Uh, and you're going to do it virtually, or, or, or maybe not be uptown, but you're going to produce theater. Um, so you're going to do it virtually, but also just curious in, in person as well with your company. I want to hear more about that. Yes, um, and that's a good question because many people don't know that the last play that I did was also the first play that I co-produced, um, which is called The Plan, and it was back in July 2018, so yeah, it's been a, a while now, um, but my plan for the new year is to write and produce as well as star a new short film, a, a new play, a new short play, but I want to do it virtually because I know that um, with the pandemic and also with the new variant um, coming in, I want to give that a try because I haven't done it. So I'm always looking forward to trying new things. So that's next for me for the new year. Okay. And, and we'll have a live audience there. Like you can actually go attend and, and, and actually just curious because it's a play. You can actually attend it still or you can only watch it online. Um, I haven't decided yet, um, but me knowing myself, I'll probably will do, um, will be available on the YouTube channel, okay. on the Double Ninety Four Productions channel. Um, but I won't, I won't know. That's not one hundred percent sure yet. Okay. But uh, that's something that I'm still thinking about. Okay. And the comedy series is going strong. It's going strong. Yes. Um, we've won um, five. Um, five awards for best web and new media so we're Congrats. off to a great start thank you we're off to a great start and i know some people might think like but season one is so short and it's only you by yourself well my answer to that is that i just did, wasn't ready to deal with people yet because of the whole pandemic yeah. situation and i just wanted again it was to try something different something new um, because well, one of the inspirations in terms of setting, um, I would say Cheers was one of my biggest influence to make um, season one in basically one location. Because if you know Cheers, you know, it takes place at a bar. One of my favorite so, shows of all time. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Cheers is um amazingly written show. And I feel like it's one of those shows that you had to continue to bring it up because it's a great example of how you should write a comedy series. And the fact that they went on for 11 seasons, that just makes me respect them even more. But with, Cheers, many, with many challenges, including recasting your lead role. Yes. Um, huh. uh, yeah. Um, when I was binge watching Cheers, I know we're going a maybe a little off topic, but I have <laughs> to ahead. mention this part. I felt that when I was binge watching Cheers, when uh, Shelley Long, I think that's her name, yeah. when Shelley Long left after season five, 
I thought to myself, if I'm a if I'm a writer or a creator, I'll get nervous because I feel that Sam and Diane's relationship really carry the first five seasons of that show. And you know of this very well that because of an audience, we get so attached to a certain character in a show. When they leave, you know, you You leave with them sometimes. Exactly. But the Burroughs are good writers. Yes. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. So but in terms of the MMM project, um, the setting-wise, Cheers was a big influence on him. Oh, great. Is there a norm in the MMM project? Uh, no, 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 <laughs> not, 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 not yet. Um, but season two, season two. Um, well, put me in, okay. <laughs> season two, hopefully, you know, uh, my plan for season two is to add um, more actors right. to the series and change things up a notch with the setting, so... Yeah, um, for season two, will probably be released at the beginning of 2023. Okay, great. Well, the ever-prolific Mike Medina here. Uh, lots of projects going on, including documentary in 2022. Uh, Mike, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, having you here. Uh, before we say goodbye, though, so where can people go to find all your projects? Uh, well... Usually you can find them at the 0094 Productions YouTube channel. Um, but I will say this because it's important. Yes, I, w I usually put my films there, but now I decided to put all my films privately on YouTube because I have something very, very, very interesting and big coming for the new year, which, which you guys will stay tuned for that. What do you call that, folks? Cliffhanger. But, but I, Yes, but I do have... Um, um, another thing to mention, I have a new short film coming up, for, which will be on January 27th. Okay. And it will be premiering on Instagram. So is, is it will be on my Instagram page, Mike Medina 31 and it's called Giving Up. That's going to be Giving my up. new short film, and it will be released January 27th. Awesome. You heard it here, folks. We're looking forward to it. Yes. Very good. Well, listeners, you can be able to find uh, some of the links to... All, he's th all of his major projects coming up, uh, including his Instagram page, in the description of this episode, okay? Uh, thanks again to Miguel McMedina for joining me here on this Artist Spotlight edition of In What Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in northern Manhattan. Uh, if you have a moment right now, we'd love for you to give us some love and go to Apple Podcasts and review us. It really helps. Many thanks to the Church of the Good Shepherd here in Inwood, New York City for hosting us and to Hidesites.com for uptown promotional support. Be sure to follow us on our social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do. It includes the Inwood Film Festival, our Filmworks Alfresco series, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.